Kisha Moore, good morning. Good morning. It's another Friday. We are in the month of December. My goodness. Do you know what today is? It's not your birthday. No, but as a as a as a as a pastry artist, do you know what today is? Gosh, you gotta put me on the spot like that. I really don't. Right okay. now, my mind is like that's okay. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna appreciate that I tell you this. Today <laughs> is National Cookie Day. Yay! <laughs> See? National Cookie Day? It's National Cookie Day. Because you know what? I don't what? ever remember. Okay, so perhaps this is why I don't commit these things to memory because there's never been more of a celebration of food days than there have been. I don't know, I feel like in the last 10 years. Like I don't remember at any other point in my in my life or even my career that we had so many food days. It's National French Friday. It's National Taco Day. It's National, um, you know, whatever soup day. And 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 it's so a one year we I had actually had my team go through, so we wouldn't miss them. And I'm sure this was on there any of the National Food Days, so I wouldn't be left off guard. But then I had a team of people to remind me. <laughs> Well, in fairness, it's not like I am such the super genius. It's because uh, I was reading the morning brew this morning and it told me that it was National Cookie Day. And I thought, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's it's good to know these things, but, um, you know, so many things going on. It's hard to keep up sometimes, man. That's why I guess, you know, there's friends like you to keep keep us together. Well, there you go. And then you mentioned National Soup Day, and I don't know when that is, but I have this hankering <coughs> for soup. But not only that, but I actually woke up this morning thinking about the Seinfeld episode with the soup Nazi. Not because of the episode, not because it's funny, uh, okay. but because Kramer came back, if I remember right, in the beginning, like in the, when they first like were unrolling who, you know, the soup Nazi and the whole thing in this storefront with this bowl of mulligatawny. And I woke uh -huh. up this morning going, oh, I would love a bowl of mulligatawny. <laughs> so I lit to the point that I literally was looking up recipes this morning about mulligatawny because I may have to find a way to make some. So there you go. <laughs> well, find out when National Soup Day is so you can make it. Um, on that I think day. National Soup I'm Day sure is it's gotta be, any I day I want it to be. <laughs> this is true. But I bet you it's sometime in. Uh, now I want to look at look it up in the in the fall winter era, I would think it'd be funny if it was summer. But right. That, that would uh, just be like, just let's, let's mess with everyone, because I'm sorry, but cold soups just aren't quite the same thing. And it's not that I don't like a good cold soup, <laughs> but it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, even in the summertime, I'm okay with it. When I was in culinary school, we had this avocado, oh, it was like avocado lime and cilantro soup. I'm going to tell you something, I could have bathed in that. And it was a cold soup. So I, so I, I don't like, I, there are two cold soups I like, that and gazpacho. That's it. So outside <laughs> of that, I'm probably not um, going to eat cold soup, but... That was really good. And I became Vichy, like Vichy Swa and you are not are not friends. Not so much. <laughs> not not so much. I do um which okay, so the whole like summertime or cold cold weather soup thing. Um so in California there used to be, and I don't know now because I haven't lived there for some time. And when I go back home, I don't seek them out anymore. 
However, there were a lot of soup and salad spots. Sure. Like everywhere. And, you know, it's not cold, but it was something that we did. Like you had soup and salad and it was, there were a plethora of them because, you know, at one point San Diego, I think was like the fourth fittest, fittest, fittest city in the nation. And it's because we ate a lot of soup and salad. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good reason. I'll, 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 I'll give you that. So why not? You know. But I, it's a moderate temperature, so it wouldn't be like like it's humid here in Virginia and sweltering hot in the summer. So it's probably my, you'll eat a salad, but you're not probably not as inclined to eat soup. Right, and now it's cold, and so it's the opposite, and so it's not. It's uh, yeah. And now you want to eat soup, but you also want to eat hearty foods. I mean, it's hard, you know, thinking about it uh, this time of year and uh, trying to stay fit amongst everything. But of course, January will ro roll around and. I was thinking about this, you know, normally, like we all know, like right after, right after Christmas, all of a sudden you start seeing all the gym ads and all the gym equipment and the everything else because everyone, because New Year's resolutions. And I was thinking about New Year's resolutions and, you know, where we were a year ago and now where New Year's resolutions will be this year will be, will people be saying, oh, I want to go back to the gym or will they be saying, I just want to go somewhere. Right. Like their, their New Year's resolution may be, I, I, I want to travel more or spend, I've learned that quality time with my family is of the utmost importance. So I wonder if those things will be um, very different. The other day, I'm trying to think, where was I? I feel like I was, you know how random people come up and talk to me. <laughs> I feel sure. like this was like a random person who came up to talk to me about their New Year's resolution. I believe so. I was at the grocery store. And I was like, well, I don't make. Of course they did. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, I don't, I don't make New Year's resolutions. Okay. I feel that if you're going to make a change in your life, that it should start the moment you decide to make that change. And to wait, I don't know. Anyway, seems kind of weird. But uh, so, I, so I think that if, if people aren't comfortable going back to the gyms, that what's going to be like a big sell for New Year's resolutions are going to be equipment, in-home equipment. Yeah. No, I think that, that 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 there may be a big rise. Now, there was already, right? They talked about how how um, like gym supply companies like Rogue Fitness and whoever couldn't keep you know weights in stock and what have you because there was such a run on people building home gyms. And I, but at the same time, there's going to be that desire to get out. So I was reading an article about this huge increase in convention centers being using this time period to expand and grow um, because they believe that by 2022, there's going to be this huge rush to conventions, that conventions and conferences are going to explode in terms of size and, and, and frequency as people desire to get back in front of one another. That's interesting. However, I want, so that's, this is, a, this is something good to talk about. So I, I wonder though, if after being cooped up inside for so long that they'll have to think outside of the box in terms of convention centers, cause I'm not going to want to be back inside. I've been inside, <laughs> you know, people, I wonder if we're going to be, be wanting to think about like, how can I do this differently? Like, well, at least yeah. for me, I don't feel like I want to go to a traditional idea of what a convention center would be and be inside an, you know, a room um, that I've uh, that I've been inside of even virtually for a year and a half or more. Well, I think 
Yeah. Um, if people who listen to the Corporate Thought Podcast have heard me, and we've probably talked about this in the past on this show too, rail against the traditional conference, um, maybe that's part of it too, is where the conference is held. But you, you know perfectly well, and I, and, I, and I think we're in agreement on you know, this, this idea of the networking event and the sitting in the long rows while somebody is up on a stage, you know, squawking at you, or maybe they're a panel and they're sitting in, uh, and they're sitting in plush chairs. Uh, I mean, this is, this is a repeated mantra that I have about how that is not interacting. That is, and I think that those are these sort of horrific events, most people are just staring down at their smartphone through most of it, waiting for the, for the quote, networking session so they can go out and do some, some business card dance that probably doesn't net them any work, um, certainly doesn't, doesn't build relationships. And maybe the entire concept of what a conference is has to be turned on its head. Maybe if we're turning office space on its head and we're turning all the other things about how we work and where we work and you know we use the the novel coronavirus as an opportunity to rethink our business lives, maybe that will be expanded to what the business event conference convention looks like. Yeah, maybe it'll be they'll have cocktail conferences. Maybe, so like maybe. instead instead of being set up like like industrial style, it's set up lounge style. <laughs> and instead of having coffee, there'll be cocktails and 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 whatever. And so people, it'll it'll feel like because I I I, I believe that at, at some point people are going to want to feel like they're not necessarily at a party, but at a place that's um, chill, chill, engaging. Um, truly meeting people and interacting with them and not really being talked to. But I feel like there's a sense of people wanting to get to know people more on, on more than a surface level. And the realization that that's how we've lived for some time has become very apparent. And so now there's a longing for that type of connectivity um, where there's more truthfulness in relationship than there was before. So like a need right. to, to really genuinely connect. And so I say that because I have found, so I've, I've joined this, this group of um, financially independent people and the conversation has been so hilarious that I realized that like, I look back, you know, like say a year before at how maybe more reserved in, in conversation and not as open. Um, and now it's kind of like, because we don't have that, people have such a desire to just be their most authentic selves. And some of some people say, I'm just like, wow, that is, <laughs> that is all over the internet but um <laughs> there I, it's just it's coming out of and, and many people share out of a desire to really want to be with people and tell people and experience people in a um in a very real way and i, I it's freeing and very invigorating i have to say so and people are so less you, inclined to people are less inclined to hold their mouths. I think because of the fragility, we already know that life is fragile, but it becomes even more apparent when we have when we're dealing with crises at this magnitude. So you realize so there's no time think, to waste. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you think that because because of their own personal reactions to the crisis, to the to the pandemic, that they are more 
that they feel freed to speak their mind more, um, more openly? Yeah, it's more like this is me, you know, and, um, and yeah, and whether or not it's just to say this is how I feel in this moment, this is where I am, this is what I'm going through, this is, I mean, people are sharing stuff, I'm like, wow, that's, they just shared that, um, and the feedback they're getting, people aren't even, people aren't even afraid to get the feedback, there's a, there's a, there's a real genuineness without fear, and I think it's just because I need to speak my mind or my truth and be okay with that. And that there are a group of people, whether you agree or not, they're just like, yeah, do that. You know, if that's what you, if that's what we're doing to be better, then that it's working. That's all I have to say. Right. No, I mean, if it, if it um, makes a, uh, um, if it makes a difference for them, perhaps they're being more genuine and they're being more genuine versions of themselves, then that is, uh, then I think that is a, a good thing. Um, I do worry sometimes that some of the amount of what we have in terms of um, publication or ability uh, to write, we, we tend to say, I would call it more hurtful things in writing, in social media posts, in in, in responses under the newspaper article where you can comment online. Um, right. it, it just, it, and, I, and I wonder to myself, would those people say those things out loud? Um, now, maybe, maybe they do, maybe they are, maybe they feel more free to do so. Um, I, you know, I, I, I am all for free speech and I'm all for uh, honesty. Uh, I, at the same time, uh, I don't appreciate um, hurtful words. Now, that being said, I think that people need to have a little bit of, um, of a spine for themselves and some things they take as hurtful. I, I question, uh, you know, where they, where that line is drawn, but. And I think too, so this, and in this particular group, it's a private group and there are about, I don't know, maybe 20,000 people. There's in a weird way, it's almost safe. Cause some of the people, questions that people ask are vulnerable, but no one is like that like mean about it. You know, there are many different opinions that are expressed, but I've not found at all any of the comments and some, some people's questions have like 500 comments on it. Mm -hmm. And you know, cause I'm a researcher, I'll read through them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, and I've not found that any of them have been like badgering. It's because when you come from a truly authentic place with the right motive, then you don't always, I think, open yourself up to that. But people who have a sense of that need to do that that's a different kind of thing you know and oftentimes not done necessarily in a group setting but in a public forum where they feel like oh I'm going to get my voice out now I get to say whatever's been built up in them and so that has not been what I've experienced in this particular um group at all it's a different type of camaraderie which is um yeah Gotcha. Now, like I, I, said, I, I, I don't think that people need to hold their tongue. I mean, I don't think that they need to right. no, hold no, back no. from saying honesty. I think, but I do think there's sometimes how, the, they, yeah. how they say it. Exactly. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying is that there are people who, I think some people are just mean spirited. And so that's oftentimes what they're like, oh, no one can, I'm not going to say this out loud. And I think that's what I find refreshing about this particular group is that in the context of what we're talking about, people needing to be that we, I think by nature are relational people and um, the lack of having that 
um, exposure face to face, like being, you know, it's almost like like that the gathering experience. We can Zoom all day long. So one of my friends, we were talking about how like, you know, we've had Zoom Thanksgivings and Zoom baby showers and all these types of things. But the experience of being in someone's presence, the energy that is exchanged in person cannot be replaced by anything virtually. So, um, and so I think that the deeper and more open conversation is born out of a need for someone, for us to see each other in the context that we are not able to physically. So I was so on- uh, In some sense, deeper bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was on someone's show the other day um, and we were talking about just this. We were talking about the question of how can you take the, the digital experience and make it, if not the same, um, how do we suspend what we knew before to appreciate what we have in technology? In other words, if we never spent time together, if our spending time together was only virtual and had been for a long time or you know, through a Zoom call or something, we wouldn't think differently about it. Um, how do we, but how do we get some of the same joy we get out of greeting each other in person through greeting each other electronically because the fad part of it's wore off. So now we're down to the, you know, does this connection work? Do we have true bonding? Uh, and the, and the person who show I was on, she was talking about the fact that, you know, and, and she was halfway across the world and I had never met her before. Uh, I still mm-hmm. never met her in person. Right. Uh, but what we talked about was you can build a bond in the honesty of your communication. That if you have a, a, a fort, forthright phone call or uh, exchange, that you can that some of those same bonds are are made electronically. Um, we just don't. Yeah, but I believe that they're that right, and I, I do think that they can be, but I do believe that they are increased when you have face-to-face interaction. So when you have these 20,000 people in this group that you're in, um, have you met any of them face-to-face or it's all, it's all online so far? It's all online so far. Right. And so have you built, um, but have you built any, any rapport or relationships with everyone or are you just sort of, is it just more lurking and reading stuff? No. Yeah. So I'll engage um, with, with them. And I do find, I mean, there's definitely rapport. I haven't been in it long enough, meaning I have, I don't go, I don't spend that much time. I don't spend enough social media to say that I've had like one, any of them are like my super friends, you know, but um, the rapport that's there, I believe is genuine and authentic. Um, And I think that should we meet up with any of the ones that I've talked to, it would only increase. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you're, so it's the, it's the fledgling parts of a relationship that you're establishing in an online setting that you would hope that would be furthered when you actually do get the opportunity to break bread with them or something. Right. Gotcha. No, I, 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 I think this is fascinating because I do think that we know we're social people, social beings. We know that we're, that we're, um, herd animals you know we need we we're, we're pack animals we need our we we need to be around others um we are in a situation where people are 
eminently frustrated by their inability to, to do that um, to the extent that a lot of people just ignore the recommendations of the CDC and others. Um, and at the same- Yeah, because the, the extent of, I mean, so many things have gone up, the extent of that sense of loneliness, like I have, <laughs> I mean, and, I, and some of it can be psychological. So I had one person um, said that they're, they're basically an introvert and they're like, and all of a sudden, because I was forced into being alone, I couldn't stand it. You know, like the thought that I, I couldn't willfully go out and, and engage with somebody if I wanted to cause them to be like, it was a mind spin. Uh-huh. And, and so now it doesn't change their extra introversion because that's not the, the lack of needing to be around people, but it just intensified the need to understand that what she thought was a lack of needing to be around people was not the case. Um, and to create a, di- a deeper appreciation of the relationships that she had and the need to um, honor them or want to, you know, continue to... Um, stay in contact you know what i mean to not take them for granted is what i'm trying to say so anyway um so yeah this is this is um it's where we are and i'm not sure like you said you know part of the part of our need to see each other in person or face to face which is why i think increasingly i have more grocery store conversations (laughs) than i ever have before and that was by no means minimized to the degree that my kids would say if i went someplace they're like and mom don't meet anybody just go you're going to be in and out right you're just going to go get bread and i would say i can't help <laughs> i can't help if people want to talk to me i can't help if somebody decides they want to talk to me yes i'm going to get bread i will be in and out as much as possible but they cracked me up that they would even perceive that and 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 then i remember they would be like mom did you know that person i'm like no i just met them right there in line <laughs> Just that you're a superstar. Well, I don't know. It's just people have they they feel like they that I'm I'm I'll listen to what it is they have. I have compassion. So, um, yeah. Gotcha. I guess it's written all over my face until they until they see the other side of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do think this is important stuff, and I think that there are going to be some very smart people out there who start to lead the way in just like we're looking at uh, people who will maybe never go back to an office setting and companies that have gone, that have gone remote um, through the pandemic and have found that it works for them. And so why spend the money on the real real estate, or maybe we just need a conference room to gather in sometimes and otherwise everyone can work remotely. Uh, I think that the way we work is going to is change has changed temporarily and will change permanently. And perhaps the way we gather, uh, while we're going to, like you said, maybe people are going to want to travel more and, mm-hmm. uh, and experience more. Okay. At the same time, maybe you won't have to travel to every one of those meetings that you traveled to before because people have gotten comfortable with online communications as a means of holding a business meeting. I don't, I have an office phone. It barely rings. I barely ever pick it up to use it. Almost every conversation I have is via Teams or Zoom. It doesn't always have right, video. Because, yeah, because now, because it's replaced. So remember there, which is interesting. So I think that's partly wise because there was a time I didn't need to see you because I may see, I, I get physical interaction. Now, 
because I don't, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hear your voice. I want to see your face. So it is, it is become its artificial thing of my need to see people. Right. So I think, I think that while working from home virtually, what it will do is it may decrease the, the, the business travel, but it will increase the leisure travel because now people are like, I can be wherever I want to be and still work as long as I set up these times to, to, to work and you can be disciplined about it, but it doesn't, it's not, it's not taking away the need to be, to be in person with somebody. They're just replacing it with something else, another experience. So, you know, like many of my friends who do it, you know, they're like, I'm working these hours, but they'll end up in a coffee shop or someplace later on because they need, they're like, this is cool, you know, to be able to like work in my pajamas, but I can't, I'm not going to be able to sustain this for four months and not see people. Well, <laughs> so you, now they're crafting other ways of, of engagement. <laughs> you, I say, you know, Kisha, what do I call my backpack, right? Yeah. You're, yeah my yeah, office. Your portable office. Exactly. Yeah. Because everywhere I take, I mean, wherever I am, as long as I have that bag with me, I'm a, I, I have my office there. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's, that's been the reality for my life for, for several years now. And uh, which is, one of the good things I don't need to come and sit behind a desk every day. Um, and, uh, I think that is, you know, different companies will apply it differently and we'll look at it differently, but I think it's, yeah, some may have hybrids, you know, some who, um, and again, like you said, they may have like, Hey, this is how we'll do it, but we'll have in-person mixers, you know, so that we know the people that, um, so that we'll know the people in some form that we're that we are doing business with. So I don't know. I you know I I like people. So <laughs> the virtual thing the virtual thing is cool, but there's nothing like physical the physical presence of somebody. And you know one of my friends came into the store the other day. I hadn't seen her in a while. And I tell you, and and though we had communicated other way, other ways, when she walked in, I was like, oh my god. You know, it's like different now. It's like everybody's a celebration. Yeah. <laughs> when you see somebody physically, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my god. You know, it's like this, <laughs> like this, this, this energy hit or whatever. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, crazy. I'm with you. So, um, on this National Cookie Day, as we close out another 31 minutes, I wanted to ask you because um, I should have asked at the beginning, and I just thought of it, but. What's your favorite cookie? Really? Well, you know I'm an equal opportunity eater. I don't believe in favorites. <laughs> so there's a, so you so you don't have a you don't have a like when you think the word cookie, what comes what pops in your head? Yeah, definitely chocolate chip pecan. Okay, there you go. And maybe a that. toasted walnut. <laughs> in the same cookie. It could be in the same cookie or a different cookie, but yes, I like, um, yeah. What about you? Okay. So when I think cookie, the two things I think of, one is a chocolate chip cookie, but it's like a warm chocolate chip yes. cookie where like you pull it apart and the, like, there's like little strings of chocolate, like coming across. Right. Yeah, and then I'm the second you. one. Okay. And the second one is this funny cookie that my mom used to make, which was this sort of like a cheddar cheese biscuit. And I had a and I had a pecan pushed into the middle of it, and then it was dusted in powdered sugar. But and it was it cheddar had, cheese. It had cheese in it. Oh yeah, it was like a cheese biscuit with this with this 
with his toasted pecan and then powdered sugar. And so you've got like the savory and the sweet in the same bite. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I have that savory piece that, you know, I don't need the overly sweet. So for me, that mm-hmm. was like. And so, yeah, that's and that also makes me think of because she always made that around the holidays. So Christmas time um, and that cookie were synonymous. Yeah, that sounds good. It sounds so. almost like that chocolate chip cheese it cookie that I created. There you go. I may have to get the. I'll, I will. I will ask mom for the uh, for the recipe, and I'll give it to you. And you'll probably, uh, you know, you'll probably up the up the uh, the ante. It sounds thing, like um, it, it sounds like uh, like the meltaways. You yeah. know, the the pecan. It's just pecans, which they added with. It's not really, and the cookie itself is not sweet. It's just powdered sugar that's dusted on top that makes the cookie sweet. Yeah, so it's, it's butter a, and it's toasted like a, pecans. But no, yeah. this cookie is a this cookie is a cheddar cheese biscuit. It's okay. very cheddar. So, anyway, oh anyway. now, now I'm hungry. Now I'm now I'm salivating. So, um, thank you, Kisha. I hope you have a great You're day. Welcome. You too, Mark. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.